Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's do this thing. Welcome to Perception is Reality. This is episode 146. It's Catching Predators Part 2. If you have not listened to episode 145, Catching Predators Part 1, you'll want to stop this episode and go back and listen to it first. I normally don't do that. We normally make standalone episodes here, but you will want to listen to 145 first and then this episode. If you have listened to 145, you're aware that we spoke about the new occurrence of groups that are developing all over the United States, but definitely here in the state of Indiana, where individuals that are adults are acting as decoys and posing as underage children online on various social media apps, and then adult predators are reaching out to these said decoys and having sexually explicit conversations with them. They then make a plan to meet up, and these groups are then exposing the predators for what they're doing. And so that was the basis of episode 145, part one. And in this episode, we're going to be hearing from the members of Predator Catchers. Now, real quick, before we get started, I do have to ask that you share the show with everyone you know. Remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites, okay? The easiest way to find us is to go to Google and type in Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. If somebody doesn't know how to pull us up, tell them to go to Google and type in Bilbrey Podcast. Other than that, you can find us by Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey on literally any podcast hosting site available. We will be there. If you have trouble, let us know, but you can find us pretty easy. For this episode, because of how I was contacted here for this interview, unfortunately, co-host Amber Green is not in this episode. She was in episode 145, and hopefully we can set up something so that she can ask her questions, at least of Eric uh, from Predator Catchers Indianapolis, and can, can feel like she can get those questions out. And, and I, I hate that, that that's how that's happened, but because of recording schedules, that's kind of what happened here. So you'll recall in episode 145 we talked about how you know we understand the need for this we we talked about you know the our, our concerns being primarily a concern of safety primarily a concern you know of wanting to make sure 
that this doesn't just expose these people for being predators and that's it. Obviously, you know, if if someone's out here committing crimes, we would like for these people to be prosecuted. And we would like this to be a real serious venture rather than something for entertainment purposes or entertainment value. And and we, we talked about that, and that was something that we went into great detail on. In no way were we throwing any kind of shade at anybody involved with this. We were just simply expressing our concerns with her being married to a police officer and having an understanding of law enforcement and my past experience and, and work in law enforcement. We were able to look at this through a kind of a unique lens that most people do not look at this through. So I expressed, for example, what I would do if I were starting one of these groups. And we talked about the safety of all involved. You know, even, and this is an unpopular opinion, and I get it, but even the perpetrator, the predator, you have to be willing to look at this as the same way the police does, okay? The police doesn't go in and beat the hell out of the, the suspect and, and trash the suspect. They go in to try to get information and, and get a confession and then make it so it's prosecutable, okay? And when these folks that are not the police are doing this— you know, at least in my opinion, the goal is not just the exposure, but the goal is to get information so that the police are able to use this to create a case to give to the prosecutor's office so that charges can be filed and so that these people can be penalized for this criminal behavior. Okay, it's abhorrent. And it doesn't matter if you have children or don't have children. It doesn't matter if you've been a victim or not a victim. We all have a role to play in protecting the youth of our society. That's just, in my opinion, how it should be. And so these groups have popped up. And I understand why. I understand the the raw emotion and anger behind uh, a lot of what goes on. But you know, that doesn't mean the conversation shouldn't be had. Now, I knew what would happen, and it, it happened. So episode 145 was our thoughts and our concerns, and we had extended an interview to uh, the individuals from Predator Catchers Indianapolis. Uh, the, the, the group is Predator Catchers Indianapolis, Predator Catchers Muncie, and Predator Catchers Anderson. And when 145 aired... It's, it's had a ton of listens, okay, from all over the United States, and people have been really responsive to it, and a lot of people have said, yeah, these are the same concerns I've had. However, there have been those that are either enemies of my show and or fans of Predator Catchers who think that we were talking shit to these individuals, and they contacted them and said, "Hey, they're doing you dirty, and they, you know, you you shouldn't have agreed to blah blah blah." And and that's just absolutely not correct. And that's part of the reason why Amber's not in this episode because they've reached out and and want to talk, and and I want to ask the questions, and it just kind of happened in such a way that we weren't able to get all that set up. So in this episode. You're going to hear my questions and back and forth with the individuals from 
Predator catchers Indianapolis, Muncie, and Anderson, we're going to be talking about some of the questions and concerns that I had from episode 145 and that Amber had, and I'm going to try to express those to these individuals, and hopefully we can have a good back-and-forth dialogue on what they're doing and what their endgame is and why they're doing this, and so that we can all, as individuals in this society, have an understanding of why this is happening, and we can we can then really get behind it, because Ultimately, the goal would be for these individuals to be able to work with law enforcement, law enforcement be able to take all of their information, take that, create a case, send it to the prosecutor's office for criminal charges to be filed. And that's the goal because that's the way that we protect our children. So we're going to take a real quick break, but when we return, we will be joined on the phone by Predator Catchers Indianapolis, Muncie, and Anderson, and they will be able to answer some of our questions, which are some of your questions. Hopefully, we will be able to set the record straight. We'll be able to know what their motives are. We'll be able to know what the end game is, what they're hoping to accomplish through this, and we'll all be able to be on the same page, which is very important. We should not shy away from conversations like this just because they're hard, just because they're difficult, just because we might not be exactly in agreement on everything doesn't mean this isn't a worthwhile conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the 146th episode of Perception is Reality, Catching Predators Part 2. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back. Perception. Perception Perception is is reality. Reality. Look, I want to show you something that's really cool. You can touch it, it's okay. Juliana was sexually assaulted by her stepfather when she was only eight years old. Every incident, he got bolder and bolder until one day he was bold enough to take my virginity. When she was 15, she finally told her mother. She kept asking me the same question over and over. Are you sure? Are you sure it wasn't a fantasy? Me and my mother no longer have a relationship. Juliana then found the volunteers at Rain, which help her and other sexual abuse survivors. That's why Rain plays such a huge part in my life, because I get to share my story and I get to empower other people. Call 800-656-HOPE or visit rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N.org for free, confidential, 24-7 support. Folks, we are back, and back to work we go, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, because of the way this all come about, I am not joined by our co-host, Amber Green. I will do my very best to ask the questions to our guests that I know that she had, and hopefully if we don't cover something that she wanted to cover, we can set up some time to be able to do that and have a later conversation down the road. But right now, joining us on the phone is the very large group of individuals that make up Predator Catchers 
Indianapolis, Muncie, and Anderson, and we want to give them the platform so that we can hear their side of things and find out what this group is all about. So first up, we'll be speaking with Eric from Predator Catchers Indianapolis, and you're kind of the the creative driving force behind all of this, correct? Yep. Yeah, I started about uh, 10 months ago. Okay, and where are you from? Born in Indianapolis, uh, raised in Muncie. Okay, and what was the catalyst that made you decide you wanted to do this? Just noticing how the justice system doesn't really do what it needs to be doing handling child sure. abuse predators you know any, anything like that you know and then I, I noticed a couple other groups doing what we do on youtube and it gave me the inspiration to start my own group okay and you know that's a common thing when i hear people talk about law enforcement because they see what happens and it's it's not just police there's a whole system in place police prosecutors judges, defense attorneys, and the whole nine yards seems to leave people wanting more. And I can completely understand that sentiment. And, and a lot of people feel the way that you do and, and express concerns about that. I think the problem in a lot of cases is that because of the nature of how our American judicial system is set up, 95% of what police do is reactionary. Well, for a lot of things, that's okay. But in this world, reacting to a child molestation is a horrible thing because it means the crime has already happened. It means the damage is already done. So a lot of people feel like you feel and want to do something to try and prevent that from happening. And as police officers, there's not a lot that they can do to prevent a crime from happening. You know, they can can patrol or they can be seen and be visible, but they just don't have the means to have officers or investigators in these chat rooms undercover decoy like you guys do because they are already clearly underfunded, understaffed, and and they're dealing with everything else. So it's really uh, a sad situation because it's just like the time constraints and funding constraints stops them from being able to do what we all feel like should be happening because you know, let's face it, this is a very serious problem, and and your group is showing how prevalent this issue is. And so now you are a large group made up of various different members in each of the three different cities where you guys currently are based out of, Indianapolis, Muncie, and Anderson. But when you first started, it wasn't like that, correct? Well, I mean, I started all by myself. I had a group of guys that would go with me some of the times, but it was really just me. One day I just started a profile and started uh, talking to guys online all by myself. And after, you know, more and more people started watching the lives, you know, I got more and more people messaging me wanting to help. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I would imagine you have all kinds of people reaching out to you wanting to help and you kind of have to weed through all of those because not everybody would have the right mentality 
or the right kind of temperament to be able to do this. I mean, you would have to be really careful that somebody wouldn't come on your team and do something that would get you guys in trouble or or that would be over the line. So you have to really kind of walk a, a careful line there because of of course, you appreciate the people who are showing you support and loving what you're doing, but you you know you've got to you've got to kind of tread easily there because I imagine you have a lot of people saying, "I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this," but you know you just can't take everybody that that shouts that out. You've got to you've got to show a little bit of discretion there because that could be a bad thing. So, how many? exposures or busts, whatever you want to call them, have you conducted between your beginning in September of 2020 and now? I want to say 78, I think. That's, I think it's it's around it's around there. That number is just completely sickening and it shows what a major problem this is and what a major problem we have facing our society today. Between all three branches, probably around 100. That's just absolutely upsetting and it's something that should give all parents listening to this a little bit of pause and uh, it should cause them to to monitor what their children are doing on social media and apps on tablets and phones and and things like that. You need to really monitor that screen time of your underage children. It's just I that cannot be stressed cannot be stressed enough. So, when you first started out, how long did it take from the time that you created your fake decoy account until someone was communicating with you. So when you first started out, did you create a decoy that was a male or a female? It was a male, actually. And how old did you make that decoy? 14. I made him 14 years old. Okay. And how long did it take until you had first contact from somebody wanting to talk to you inappropriately? Um, the first guy I caught, I talked to him the first day I saw the profile. That's crazy. How long do you generally talk to them before a meet occurs. You never know. I think the average is probably like a week or two. Okay. That's like the average. But I mean, you know, there's one time I caught a guy, he hit me up on the app and then I caught him 30 minutes later. But there's also guys we've talked to for two months, sure. three months. Sure. I'm talking to a guy right now. I've been talking to him for four months. That's crazy how there's a level of apprehensiveness about it, but they'll continue to continue talking to you and grooming you. That's That's really crazy. So when you create a, a decoy account or someone from your group creates a decoy account and you go on to the various different social media platforms, Facebook or Snapchat or, or Kick or, or whatever, do you guys just kind of hang out there? Are you interacting with others or how do these individuals make contact with you through these different apps and social media? So we're on a lot of different um, apps. Okay. And our decoys are just pretty much sitting there idle until someone hits us up. Now, I mean, if we're in a chat room, we might say a couple things in the chat. Sure. But, you know, sure. they're, they're, they're hitting us up first. Right on. And, and that would make me feel better from the law enforcement angle of this to make sure that there's not some sort of entrapment uh, or at least some kind of defense that they would have to say, hey, look, they came on to me. So that's that's good to hear. And that's what I assumed you guys did. But uh, it's good for folks to have that information. 
And now, so do you guys use the same decoy names and like age, like with the age, do you use the same age or do you bounce around? How, how does that work? Uh, we don't use the same age. We use okay. any age that we think that um, whatever guy we're talking to at that time might be okay with. Sure, you know? sure. Okay. Well, and my concern there was not necessarily you guys as much because I, I think that you guys have been really good with that, but I have seen other groups kind of blur the line there and so that would give the predator in this case a chance to say, wait a minute, they blurred the line. And, I, you know, I thought that they were just goofing. But, you know, I know they told me they were 19 and that that causes issues, specifically talking from the law enforcement point of view, because if they have any kind of defense, if a prosecutor has any kind of question about, well, was this person not you know, completely aware that they were underage, that might stop a prosecution or it might be a reason that the people are able to defend themselves and get off of being, you know, punished from this. And so that's a concern, not with you guys necessarily. I just wanted to get rid of any kind of misconception there. So you guys pretty much are, are able to stick with what age you say up front and there's no real jumping around as far as that's concerned. You know, I made it a point to tell my team to never really say, don't ever say you're 18. We don't mm -hmm. say we're 18. Like the profile might say an age. Sure. But when we first tell them an age, that's the age that we tell them. Okay. Like we don't sure. say we're 18 and then later we switch it to 14 or something like that. Like we've right. switched the ages, but never from like an of age to an underage. Sure, you know sure. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's just something that I think folks like to know so they, they have a good understanding that everything is definitely above board. And as I've said, I've never really seen a problem with you guys. It's more something that I've seen with other groups, really no one in the state of Indiana. So that's good to know. But And that's, that's that's really a concern for the police and prosecution if any of these cases are ever lucky enough to be picked up by the police and then charged, that's when that would become a concern. And now, I've mentioned the police and the prosecutors a couple times now, so I might as well just go ahead and get this out of the way. Your organization, Predator Catchers, Indianapolis, Muncie, and Anderson, what is your relationship like with the law enforcement agencies in those communities or other communities in which you guys may travel to to work because you've been in other communities besides those three cities or their counties. So do you have a working relationship with law enforcement in the various communities? Have you guys sat down with law enforcement and said, hey, this is what we're doing, this is what we would like to do? Uh, or, or do you just kind of let that go and when something comes up and you have to deal with the police, then you deal with the police. What? Where do you guys stand there, and what's the relationship? And, and this question is for anybody. It's not just for Eric. Any anybody could take this. Honestly, it's not really the police. It's the prosecutors that sure. have the issue. So, I mean, every every police officer that we've came in contact with, 
is well aware of who we are and what we do. Okay, and those officers that know you and know what you do, what is their thoughts or feelings on you guys, or, or do you know? Do they give you their blessing? Do they know who you guys are, and they support what you do, and they're willing to work with you? Or do you feel like they think you guys are meddling, you're in the way, or you're vigilantes, troublemakers? How do they seem to treat you guys and what you do? Uh, it honestly depends on the location, to be completely honest. Sure. Right. Okay. I, I, in my experience, I feel like most police support us, just from my experience. But you know, some do, some don't. And for the record, who was the female voice we were just speaking to there? Sorry, this was Brooklyn. Welcome to the show, Brooklyn. And you're out of the Muncie group. So, how long have you been in the organization? About five months. Fantastic. And what led you to want to get active and involved? I mean, personally, I saw Eric. One time I was watching him live, and just like he said about the justice system, I was watching him, and I was like, huh, you know, Muncie really needs that. You know, uh, a lot of people on PCM are, are women, so sure. we've been in that situation. Yep. Um, so we just came together and got it started. That's great. Okay, and so please, for this next question, don't feel like you have to point out anybody specifically or give any names or anything like that, but I feel like a lot of people kind of wonder this same question, and that is, is there anybody that works with any of the three groups or anyone that works with you guys in, in general that has been a victim of something like this or has been very close uh, to a victim of a situation like this? I think a few, but I'm not really sure of any, you know. Sure, okay. I'm not really sure. I completely understand. I just feel like that question kind of lingers out there because people are thinking, you know, okay, are these people as interested because at some point they have been a victim themselves or are close to a victim. Kind of. Yeah, we, we have a few, for okay. sure. Okay, we can leave that there. It's just, I think that's something that folks have wondered, and, and I've wondered it myself. But, um, all right, so getting back to something that you brought up a moment ago uh, when you said that it's the prosecutors, not cops, that sometimes you guys have issues with, and I'm just wanting to kind of explore that because I definitely understand why you would say that, and I definitely understand... Uh, things that they might be feeling because besides being a police officer, I've also worked in a prosecutor's office in Delaware County, so I can understand both sides of what's going on here. So to kind of understand what may be at play, kind of walk me through when you guys are talking with somebody and getting ready to set a meeting, you guys keep all that information, correct? So like if you wanted to turn that over to the police, that the police and the prosecutor's office could see all of your evidence. They could see all of the communications, and of course, all of the meeting is videoed, so everything is there, and the evidence is preserved, correct? Everything's saved, yes, but uh, I mean, as far as that, we don't initiate conversation, sexual conversation, or meet, so that's all done on their behalf. Okay, that's good to know. So when John Doe hits up one of your decoys and is talking to you and starts getting sexual and starts sending pictures or videos and then says, hey, I want to meet at this place, do you guys at that point call law enforcement and say, hey, this is who we are, this is what we have going on, and this person 
person wants to meet us. We're going to meet him at this location. Can you guys head that way? Or do you get there and meet the individual and then someone makes the phone call? Or are there times that you guys don't interact with law enforcement? How does that work? It depends on the county, really. There's been some cases where we did let the law enforcement know what was going on. We let them know who we're talking to. We, uh, we give them the chat logs and all that. Sometimes we don't let them know and we call them later. Some departments, they know what we do and they want us to do the live and hand over the evidence after the case. So it, it really depends on the county. That absolutely makes sense since each county has a different prosecuting attorney that is elected and they all interpret the law differently and various police departments do things differently because officer discretion and there's different ways of of interpreting how things are done. That That makes sense. So I definitely understand that. All right, Eric and crew, if you could hang tight just for a second, we're going to have to take a quick break and pay the bills around here. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Catching Predators Part 2, Episode 146 of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbury, and we'll be right back after this quick break. Hey folks, nobody likes to talk about plumbing issues. Nobody likes to deal with all that crap, pun very much intended. But we all have to at some point. Do you want to be dealing with that alone or do you want to let the experts do it? I'm talking about general plumbing services, hot water heater repairs and installations, sewer drain service, sewer locating, sewer camera, water jetting, sewer installations, septic tank repairs and installs, and much, much more. Folks, you need to call my friends at Reliable Plumbing Services, Sherry Sheline and Mark Bolin. You call them and they'll get the job done. All plumbing needs, 28 years plus experience, senior citizens discounts, military discounts, and they'll give you a discount for mentioning that you heard this ad on Perception is Reality. Just let them know. You're going to want to call the home office at 765-252-3665. Mark Bolin, Sherry Sheline, Reliable Plumbing Services. Let them handle the crap you don't want to. Alright everyone, welcome back to Perception is Reality, episode 146, Catching Predators, part 2. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we are joined on the phone by a whole host of predator catchers based out of Indianapolis, Muncie, and Anderson. And I want to say for the record here right now that you guys have a ton of support. I mean, um, for the world the way that it is today... And most things being absolutely crazy divisive, all right? Literally everything makes people 50% mad and 50% happy. But what's going on here is a little bit different because I honestly don't know anyone in their right mind who could have a problem with someone trying to take a proactive step to making sure that 
children are safe and that bad people, predators, cannot prey upon our most vulnerable minor children because we all have a duty to protect society's youth and the children in our communities and people like the proactive steps that you guys are taking. Look, what's going on here where men and women are acting as predators on young, impressionable children, they're apparently not realizing that just one encounter like this can ruin someone's life for the rest of their lives. You know, at 13 or 14 or 15, even if you have a child who may be talking explicitly or may think that they know this or that, we all know that you don't know as a child. And the, the detrimental way that this can affect someone's life is, is just unimaginable. Matter of fact, there is a high correlation of people who are predators now that were one time victimized. And so this can, can set off a chain reaction where today's victims may be tomorrow's predators. And that is always a really bad situation. So what you guys are doing is something that I believe is a very good thing. Now, any concern or question that I have ever had is based on a, a level of, of safety concern because of my experience in law enforcement, knowing what you guys are dealing with and knowing what can happen in situations like this. Safety for bystanders, my concern for safety for people who just happen to be around. And then obviously a concern and a hope that the individuals that you're exposing are somehow dealt with by the criminal justice system. So I just wanted to go on record stating that before we before we delve any further into the questions. I just want to make sure that the listeners are aware that I'm not throwing any shade at you guys. I'm just simply asking questions that others have asked me to ask because they were aware that I was going to be talking to you or questions that I have seen folks write on the internet and or questions that I have based on my experience. Experience. All right, so getting back into it, a question that I see a lot of people ask is, is it just men or do you guys catch any women in the act that either are messaging you and the decoys or want to meet or that you guys have actually met up with? Two. You right, have two, had women. Two women. I'm, they were in, uh, the Both of them were, were a couple, so it was a man and a woman together. Uh, okay. So, Yeah. <laughs> so we haven't had any um just women yet sure we've talked to a few but we haven't caught women they, by themselves at least okay so you're primarily dealing with men and you're dealing with men who know that they're committing or attempting to commit a pretty serious crime does that mean you guys mentally prepare for what you're getting ready to deal with? Are you trying to be tactically aware of what's going on? Are you concerned that they may try to act out violently? Or are you know, is that not a concern? Where where is your mind at when you're approaching a meet? I wouldn't say it's not a concern, you know, I mean I mean we're always slightly worried that something could happen. You sure, know, it's, right. it's we know that there's a risk, you know, doing this. We do what we Most, have to. Yeah, we do what we have to. We're pretty safe. We do it the safest way possible. 
most of these guys aren't guys that are wanting to do something like that, you know? Right. Most of these guys are scared, you yeah. know? I'm sure you hear a lot of excuses. This is my first time. I've never done anything like this before. I was just trying to teach them a lesson on on and on and on. Do you get any people that tell you that they knew they were dealing with somebody from your group and they were doing it just because because they knew that they would get or see you guys or they they knew that there was no actual little kid? Oh yeah. I hear that almost every time. What do you tell them when they say that? I mean, what what kind of conversations are you guys having? What what do they say to you? <laughs> they want to meet us. Oh, is that's that's the reason they did it. They they knew it was you guys, but they just wanted to meet you. I've literally had a guy tell me that, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, they wanted our help. Yeah. They just want to see what it was. I mean, we've heard so many excuses like Yep, that's that's exactly what I thought, very similar to law enforcement. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know why they don't realize that they're busted. Do you guys ever have your decoys ask them to bring extras like alcohol or condoms or sex toys or do they ever just do that on their own because i think that kind of shows kind of another act in furtherance of the crime it's at that point like no you didn't just show up to scare this little kid straight you brought sex toys and condoms and beer you know what i mean that just shows another step in the process of them planning to commit this god-awful crime oh yeah we do that a lot um Huh? The decoys ask usually. Right. Yeah, we'll have the decoys asking for something, or you know, we had a few guys get condoms. Sure. Just, you know, okay. we get on film. Absolutely flabbergasted. I just still cannot wrap my mind around it. So, uh, all right, let's turn our attention to Predator Catcher from Muncie, Allie. How long have you been with the organization? About five months. Okay, and I assume that you're very similar to everyone else. This is something that you just saw that you thought you needed to be a part of. How many individuals have you exposed in that five-month period? 20 to 30, probably. That's absolutely disgusting. It's mind-boggling and... And it's hard to wrap my mind around the fact that that many people are out there just walking around in our society. It's it's scary when you really think about it. Uh, okay, so besides the documentation of the chats and the recordings and pictures and videos and the, the live videos from social media, do you guys write anything up, any kind of documentation or statements that you guys kind of keep in a system so that you guys keep track of, of each individual case, or is that not something that you guys do? We have some people that do, yeah. That might be something that you guys want to consider implementing across the board for all of your groups. That way you would keep track of everything and have a little bit of biographical information if you should ever have to go to court or there's ever reason to recall any of this information later on down the road. And I was thinking about that because there's actually been a couple people that you've caught a couple times. And I think it would be interesting to just compile those documents because you never know when they might come in handy later on down the road. Now, a couple things I want to mention, you know, there's obviously inherent danger here, and that's what my biggest concern has been here, and uh, I know that's the concern that a lot of other people have, is that something bad is going to happen, and it's going to be really bad, And, and, you know, I don't want that to happen to you or anybody else, whether they're with your group or not. Uh, Obviously, I want everyone to remain safe and and 
and uh, be as safe as possible and, and keep the public and bystanders safe as well. But then there's obviously other issues and liabilities that go beyond the safety. And because of my experience in law enforcement, you know, those are in the back of my head. But I feel like you guys do pretty well on a lot of other issues that have caused me to be concerned with other groups. Like, for example, you guys do a really good job of letting the targets or the predators know that you're not the police. A lot of other groups I've seen, mostly out of the state of Indiana, sometimes walk the line on what is okay or not okay. The other thing I feel like you guys do a really good job on is making sure that they know they're free to go, that you're not holding them there. You're obviously not wanting to commit a crime, which is uh, criminal confinement in the state of Indiana, and so you let them know that they're free to go, you're not holding them there, and you just want to talk, and and that's something I have to commend you guys on, because a lot of other groups haven't done so well on that. Thank but you. due to my safety concerns and concerns for other liabilities, that stems solely from my time and experience in law enforcement, and my understanding of how inherently dangerous this type of action is is just because of the nature of what it is, I came up with a list of items that I would do if I were creating a group like this or if I were coaching someone who was creating a group like this. And I went over those items in episode 145, Catching Predators Part 1, and the audience and my co-host were able to hear kind of what those what those things were, and I went kind of over why I would do that. Now, I'm not going to go in great detail here because that's all laid out in the last episode, but I will go over those briefly so you guys have a chance to hear them and we can speak about them if you so choose. Now, before we do that, I do want to say I'm not trying to tell you you guys are doing anything wrong. I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job. I'm just simply thinking about this from the aspect of a concern for your safety and the safety of everyone involved, along with a concern for liability issues simply stemming from my time and training and experience in law enforcement. So please don't take this as I'm saying you guys are doing anything wrong. It's just simply something that I thought the audience would be interested in because I know that it would it would squash a lot of questions that the audience might have. And if you guys hear anything in here that you're interested in or that you want to do or that could maybe help you or that I need to explain, please let me know and I certainly will. So those things include, for example, I would talk to all law enforcement that I could possibly talk to. That would include the Indiana State Police out of the posts that would cover the areas I would be working in, telling them, this is what I'm doing. I hope to be able to work together. I understand I'm not the police. We're not trying to be vigilantes. We're not trying to take justice into our own hands. We're just trying to be proactive. We want to work with you and supplement any way we can what you guys are doing and this is how we're going to collect the evidence we can turn it over to you in this manner or however else you would want i would talk to any elected sheriff of any county that I would possibly be working in. I would talk to any big city police chief that it would be in a city that we would be working in or any t 
town police chief of any small town departments that we would be possibly working in. And I would just simply say to them, this is what we're doing, and I want to partner with you. I'm looking for your blessing. Please tell me how we can work together. I would hire an attorney or try to find an attorney that would speak with me that could give me my rights and and tell me what the liabilities were involved and tell me how to best shape what I was trying to do and maybe give advice on how to go about talking to the law enforcement personnel as well as how to talk to the prosecutors, which is also on the list. I would definitely sit down with the elected prosecutors of each county and say, look, this is what we're trying to do. I'm not trying to be the police. We're working with the police. The police give us their blessing. We just want to be able to do what we're doing, turn the evidence over to the police, let the police make a police report and turn in a case to you so that you can review the case and decide whether to file charges or not because the goal after all is to try and bring these gentlemen to justice and stop them from being able to hurt anybody else or hurt anybody for the first time and then from there I would reach out to media I would reach out to news TV programs and I would reach out to newspapers to find out about getting coverage of our group and then I would look into training, training for decoys, training for the individuals who would go on the exposures, and I would look at how to de-escalate situations, possibly self-defense training, and other training that would help out in situations like we would possibly be in, and then I would go down the line and teach folks how to write statements we would document everything in a certain way. Everything would be documented the same way. The evidence would be preserved and kept the same way. And from there, we'd go to work. And now, along with doing the decoy work and the exposures, another thing that I would be very proactive on would be the education of what goes on in these situations. I would want to get all of the word out to as many adults and parents as possible. Hey, you need to be monitoring your children's screen time. I would be wanting to speak to schools and to children and to politicians. And that's where I'm kind of going to go with this now. Uh, obviously, I am mostly a political talk show. That's what I do. I'm a political commentator. And I focus on community issues and, and pop culture and, and what goes on outside of politics. But politics is my bread and butter. And so with that in mind, this next question is from a political type of a standpoint. But before I get there, I'd like to pull another group member on here, someone we haven't spoke to yet. Shonda, are you there? Yeah. How long have you been with Predator Catchers? Um, I started in January. Okay, and, and do you have the same reasons for wanting to be a member of the group? My passion behind it is, one, I'm a parent, and two, for the victims. I feel like we have a voice for the victims. We stand up for what's going on. Um, there's so many people affected by this that nothing happens. So my passion behind it is kind of bringing awareness to that this is an epidemic and we need more awareness and people need to realize that this is a huge issue. That's absolutely correct. And, and before we get to the political question that I have about this, uh, you brought up a good point. This is a huge issue. 
the fact that you guys have been doing this for four and five months, the fact that Eric has been doing this since just September of last year, and you guys have busted nearly a hundred men in East Central Indiana is astronomical. That should let people know this is a larger problem than what we could ever have imagined. And I don't care if we're talking about the full-blown, hardcore, always going to be a child molester pedophile that strikes any time he gets a chance, or if we're talking about the person who is a dumbass and is a 28-year-old, lower IQ, he is lonely and horny, and he says, you know what, I just don't care this time, I'm going to talk to this 14-year-old, which is mind-blowingly ignorant, mind-blowingly disgusting. I could never imagine doing such a thing. I just, I, I can't hardly think about how, just, it's, the rational mind can't go there. You know what I mean? It's, it's really just something that regular people just can't wrap their minds around. But one thing that I can wrap my mind around and everyone else should be able to are the numbers. And the fact that you guys in 10 months have busted nearly a hundred people just here in East central Indiana really should scare the hell out of everybody and we need to wake up and do something because it's it's really scary and you guys you guys deserve the credit for that you guys deserve the credit for bringing attention to the fact that this is i don't know i believe maybe you call it i believe it is an epidemic something is going on something isn't right and something needs to be done because this is way out of control so that leads me to the question how many of the men that you've been a part of exposing do you believe fits into one of two categories the first category being men or or offenders that have never done this before. This is their first time. Maybe they're telling the truth. Maybe they're lonely, they're horny, and they're definitely freaking ignorant. But they've never done this before. They've never violated anybody. They've never molested anybody. And this was just a dumbass move walking down the wrong side of the road on this one. And they ended up getting caught versus people that are straight out 100% predators, child molesters, pedophiles out there actively looking to violate children 24 hours a day. I mean, it's different. It's different predators. So some, you know, you probably get kind of get that vibe that it might have just been they just want to have sex with somebody and they're just out here looking for anybody to give them attention. But there's a lot of them that we catch that you can just tell that they are actual predators. They are, you know, coming out here to do things to kids, preying on children. And with the Internet and how available it is, I mean, I feel like people don't realize how many people are out here preying on children in these chat rooms. I mean, there's a lot of places we're not even in yet that people are in there doing that kind of stuff. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. I mean, people are, are worried about the drug issues here, but we're not worried about all these 
sex crimes that are happening. Sure. I could see people saying that same thing, that we're arresting people for drugs, we're arresting people for possession of marijuana and other substances that they are choosing to put into their bodies, and they are getting treated so harshly, but yet these folks that are out here victimizing our children are just getting off with slaps on the wrist, and and it's it's... I'm telling you, something is absolutely backwards, and that leads me then into the political side of this. There's a big war on police right now. There's a big push right now to defund the police. And defunding the police doesn't do what people think it will do. Defunding the police takes away training, and it takes away training for specialty issues like this. It takes away manpower, which takes cops out of specialty units like this and make sure that they're on the street because you need patrolmen before you need anything else. And so people don't understand how bad defunding the police really is because all it does is disrupt training. But besides the police issue... There are a whole lot of lawmakers, there are a whole lot of prosecutors, there are a whole lot of sheriffs that are all political. There are a whole lot of police chiefs that are appointed by mayors that are political. There are city councils, county councils, there are state lawmakers that you guys could all be speaking to in order to champion this cause and fight for stronger laws, fight for various aspects within the legal system surrounding everything that you guys care about here. Do you see ever an opportunity for you guys to fight for that and maybe have individuals who are out there giving awareness and and fighting for the changes of laws that might make it easier for police to do what they need to do or harder for the bad guys or easier for citizens to help? You know, do you guys have any interest in that? That's definitely something we're looking into. Um, It's huge because, you know, we give the information over to the police and it kind of stops sometimes at the prosecutor's office because they can't bring charges. So we, um, as a group, as our organization, we're working to um, talk to those lawmakers and kind of push back kind of I love it. Um, change in our system. Um, and just like you said, with the police, they are underfunded and they don't have the time that we have, the volunteers. Um, so, you know, we're very open with taking suggestions on how to get these guys prosecuted. We're, you know, we talk with police and um, when we give our evidence over to try to work to get, you know, these guys prosecuted. You know, we just, we have the time, we have the volunteers to do it. Uh, I just wish more prosecutors and police departments were open to reviewing our evidence. Yeah, I I definitely agree that that is the goal that should be the goal, you know, to get these people arrested and or at least charged and into court so they can start facing consequences for their behaviors. Besides talking to the police, and it sounds like you guys have a pretty good relationship with the police, you know, maybe considering talking to the prosecutors, sitting down preemptively and saying, hey, this is what we're about. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. We have a good relationship with the police. We do have the blessings of most police agencies. How could we go about doing what we're doing so that the police can make their reports so that you will accept the reports and consider filing charges on the cases that are sent up. 
we definitely have, you know, we're in the process of doing that. We do have that stance with prosecutors. We do talk with the police and let them know that we are open for those types of suggestions. Um, I just think it's really hard for some of the prosecutors to bring charge. I, I mean, I feel like that even with cops busting um, sex crimes, it's hard, often hard for them to even get charged or, you know, get prosecuted. So it's not even just us. I mean, it's just sex crimes in general. There's so many people that get harassed, touched, molested, that nothing happens to their predators. So, you know, it's our stance and our group that we want to expose these people. We want to let the community know that these people are out here and they need to, you know, we need to hold these account, these adults accountable for their actions. It's not just, um, it's not the victim's fault um, or anything yeah. like that. We need to start holding all these adults accountable for what they're doing and stop this vicious cycle of people, you know, out here doing these crimes. Sure. What about training? Have you guys looked in to see, I don't know what training would exist or who would be putting it on or how that would even work, but have you guys considered or thought about looking into training that you guys could go to, whether you get donations to pay for it or if it's free training that would teach you guys how to be better decoys, that would teach you how to deal with these individuals during the meetups and or at least deal with the psychological aspect of everything that you guys are seeing and dealing with. Because let me tell you, you will eventually burn out on this stuff if you're not careful and if you're not processing this in a healthy way or talking to people when you need to talk to people. If you're not taking care of yourself mentally, you will run into problems long term from this. I, I can promise you that. So have you guys looked into or considered possible training avenues? Yeah, it's definitely something we talked about. If there was, you know, training for something like this, you know, we're not against that. We're not trying to, you know, fight against that we're here to try to get these people prosecuted to try to get awareness about this problem um you know if there was something like that we would all gladly take the training to improve we've had some police departments um asked to for us to attend training that just hasn't went through yet that's really cool I, i'm glad that they're willing to do that and i'm glad that they are supporting you as much as they are and hopefully it will lead to better situations with their prosecutors in their communities. Another question that I see frequently is how people can join your team. So that's something that you guys have to look at and deal with because adding somebody to your team now comes with its own set of unique challenges. You may or may not need more people to help you out, but there are all kinds of different people out there looking to do it for all kinds of different reasons. I'm sure there are people out there that want to help and they have very pure and good reasons and they might be wonderful additions to the team. Then you have people who would be great additions to the team because they want to do it, but then they get to an exposure and they go crazy and they beat somebody up and they do something that gets you guys in trouble or does something that brings a bad name to your organization and so you don't want that or you get people who just want to be a part of something that has a little bit of star power and they like being the part of the next big thing so how do you go through the process of vetting all the people who say all of a sudden hey we want to be a part of this yeah a lot we get a lot of messages we just talk back and forth to those people we do also you know 
have some kind of application process for decoys. Right now, we are going through and looking for people, but we have a pretty strong team um, right now. So really the, what we ask of the community is share these videos, like our posts, get these predators out here and expose them. That's, you know, what we're we're wanting from the community at this point. Very good. So listeners, you hear that. If you follow their pages, PCI, PCM, PCA on Facebook, but that is Predator Catchers Indianapolis, Predator Catchers Muncie, and Predator Catchers Anderson. If you follow their pages and you support what they do, share their videos. I have another question here that I've wanted to get to here for a moment, and I'm going to Cut back to Eric just for a second and ask this question to him. I understand when you guys go to these meetings that it's a tense situation. Believe me, with my time in law enforcement, I've done things like that hundreds of times, thousands of times. I I completely get it. I get being amped up. I get the raw emotion kind of taking over. What do you guys do Tactics-wise, or how do you look at it before you go into a situation with how you're going to handle talking with the individual? When you go in, do you try to be calm? I've seen videos where you've been calm. I see videos where you guys are kind of yelling. And I understand that it is a difficult situation because of what you're dealing with. And there are various different ways to handle things and different tactics. So please don't think that I'm saying anything negative. I'm just asking kind of the thought process behind what you guys do. You know, when you're going to expose these people and talk to them, are you wanting to yell and put the fear of God in them? Or are you trying to talk to them and have a conversation so you can learn information? What What's kind of going on in your head through that process? I always go into it. I try to be pretty calm just because I want to get more out of them. You know, I want right. them to, I want them to have a conversation. Sure. Um, sure. You know, but I do want to put the fear of God in them too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So I, I try to do I try to do like a balance, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. I definitely understand what what you're getting at there. And I, I don't know, maybe it's something that you guys could approach as far as having a couple different people and doing a good cop, bad cop situation because I know it's tough. Believe me, I understand it's tough. But you will get more conversation from them if they feel like at least somebody there empathizes with what's going on. And I know that's hard to do because nobody in their right mind will empathize with what these individuals are doing. But if they think that, they are more willing to talk than if somebody's standing there willing to yell at them and call them worthless, which, you know, hey, have at it. I understand every bit of it, but I'm just, you know, throwing out little pieces of cop talk here at this point. Something else that you guys do really well with, and I want to commend you on this, is telling the people who follow your videos and watch all of your stuff to not harass their family members, to not harass their places of employment. Uh, Honestly, you know, you guys do a really good job of trying to even protect them, of not telling people too much information, not telling people where you're at during the exposure, because that could be uh, a dangerous situation you know do you do much thinking about that ahead of time you know are you actively doing that for your safety and their safety oh yeah that's one of the reasons so um you know you don't get people trying to come up and um hurt the guy yeah uh, we're confronting um past people that we've caught yeah yeah people that we've caught that might want to look for us 
sure so they they don't know where we're at um you know just you know we don't we don't need a whole crowd coming up and causing a huge scene Right, you know, right. So there's multiple reasons why we don't want to give out the location. That makes perfect sense. That's very tactically smart, safe, and it I, I completely get it. Matter of fact, I was watching one of your recent live streams, and if the listeners at home want to find this, they can go on any one of the three pages, as well as you can hear the audio in the beginning of episode 145, so you can go back and listen to that. But you guys were dealing with a predator from Avon, who I believe is a doctor. And in the middle of that, there was another guy just that came up and started yelling at him. Yeah, Where did yeah. the guy from the van come from? <laughs> I don't know. He came out of nowhere. He, he must have been watching the live because he came out of nowhere. He must have been in. He must have lived in Avon and um, was watching the live or something. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I was I was kind of uh, worried there for a second, but it ended all right. It was just kind of crazy. And that goes to show you how you never know what to expect because you guys had no idea that was going to happen, and that's why you got to keep your head on a swivel and always watch each other's back. Uh, let me ask you this, and you don't have to point to any specific instance or get into details, but have you had anything go wrong? wrong or have you had anything happen where you've had to remove a live video or uh postings or anything like that the only videos that we've taken down is um you know when we've gone live and the predator doesn't show up or something Mm -hmm. stuff like you know that's really the only lives that we've, we've taken down right on well hopefully everything else will continue going off without a hitch and you'll never have to worry about any kind of problem Uh, because that, well, that would just be what's best for everybody. But, all right, I've got a couple more questions here, and I want to state that I'm asking these on behalf of my co-host, Amber Green. As I've said earlier, and I want to state again, she was not able to be here for this interview due to the way we were going to record it, and just time's constraint didn't allow for that. And although most of the other questions that I have asked this evening have come from both Amber and I, due to the conversation that we had in episode 145, some of the other questions were sent to me and fans of this podcast wanted me to ask or questions that I have developed because of my training and experience in law enforcement. But these next couple questions are specifically questions that Amber had, and I want to make sure to give her credit for those questions. And there is a good likelihood that she may have other questions, and so hopefully we'll have a chance to sit down again, maybe one-on-one with Eric, and that would allow Amber a chance to ask any other questions that she might have. So one of the things that she was concerned about is there are times when you guys will meet the target inside of a business and not like out in the open at a park or some other public venue. And she was just a little concerned that that might give some kind of stigma to that said business. And I know that you guys do a pretty good job of trying to keep the business signage and and employees and everything out of the view of camera and you just focus on the perpetrator the the target or the the predator but do you guys pick the meeting spots do you leave that up to them how does that come about typically um yeah they suggest the meetup um and then we 
you know, we might say somewhere public um, to try to get on that than to suggest somewhere. Right. And I just think that, like, what her concern was was for there being stigma on the location. And even though you guys do a really good job of telling people not to harass these people or those people, that maybe people might think that this is where that person frequents, and so they might go there and look and cause trouble or whatever. And so, you know, she was just kind of worried about that. And we actually got to talking about the fact that you're actually getting donations coming in now. People are giving donations, and, you know, I don't even know really what you could do. Maybe there could be a situation where you could look at trying to do kind of like to catch a predator did with like a... Right, like, you like know, a sting house. To, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there are pros and cons with that i think there could be inherent yeah. dangers with that um, and i think it could lend itself to uh, someone saying that they felt criminally confined but all of that is just information that you guys might be able to take and and grow with and and try out different things and see what works it's kind of a work in progress and i think you guys are kind of learning from uh your mistakes or or learning as you go yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, it's a, it's a learning process. We learn and improve all the time. We're always, you know, improving what we're doing um, with the, the businesses, you know, we do get some pushback, but we, we all try to remain calm um, about the situation. We do have the conversation. If they do want to talk, we usually take it outside. Sure. Um, you know, there are some businesses that push back on us and we also have businesses that say, Hey, you can, come here and meet them and you know we support what you guys are doing oh, that's cool um, we have we have tremendous support from the communities around us and we can't thank them enough for you know them sending the messages and the donations and just being there you know sharing our videos so that's that's really great to have that behind us it is an amazing thing to have the amount of support that you guys have i have to admit that's a really great thing so all right before we wrap up do we need to say anything that we haven't said anything that anybody wants to get out that we haven't talked about anything that needs to be covered anything you guys want out on the record i know there were a couple of you that we haven't talked to maybe we can set something up again and go through a different line of questions or and get information out and you guys are always welcome here by the way and i definitely want to at least give an opportunity for amber to be able to ask you guys questions if, if you guys are so inclined to come back but right now is there anything that we haven't talked about that anybody would like to get out even the people that have been quiet the whole time anybody anybody <laughs> i think we all just as a group we just want to thank you the community the most for yeah, their support yeah. Absolutely. The community. We have uh, amazing uh, followers, great support. The followers really help us keep keep us uh, going. 100%. And I definitely understand what you're talking about due to the listeners of the podcast here. It, it makes such a difference when people are engaged and, and you know that what you're putting out there is meaningful to someone. It really does make a difference. And I'll tell you what, that actually brings up one more question that I had before we get to where you guys can be found and where people can donate to. Uh, so because because of your star power, and by that I mean you guys do have a big following. You do have people returning to watch your content that you put out. However many videos a day you put out, people are watching it. You're picking up viewers. Every video has more and more viewers. And you guys do have a rising star power. That leads itself to the question of 
How do you guys keep this about the mission at hand, about the end goal, and keeping this about what it really is, rather than this turning into an entertainment venture where you guys are playing to your audience, you're playing to your supporters or your fans or your followers or whatever you guys choose to to call them? How do you keep this about the mission at hand rather than playing to the echo chamber of people who like you guys because they're starting to get to know you and they really like what you do so they are saying you know you guys rock and then you hear these people who are angry and they might want you to do or say things or act a certain way so how do you keep humble about it and keep a level head mm, i mean that's a that's a pretty good question um i don't know we just gotta remember what we're doing it for um you know, we, we, we make sure that we're not making it about entertainment. Right. You know, there's always going to be a part of it that is entertainment. Because sure. to some degree, it is entertaining, you know, because, you know, it, it that's just what it is. But Well, the, the American you know, culture, we, the clicks on it, and they're going to watch. You know, people people like to see a train wreck. They like to see, you know, there are people right. out there that are waiting to right. see the shit hit the fan, you know. <laughs> right. As long as we're not being all gimmicky, making too many jokes. I, I think we stick to the plan and we stick to the mission sure. by doing that. You know, sure. we might joke around here and there, you know, just to keep our sanity while we Absolutely. do this. We have a pretty good team and I think we're, we all have a pretty strong mind and um, we, we managed to stick to the mission. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Well, very good. You guys have a couple ways that your followers or your supporters can donate. If people are so inclined, where can they go to donate? Uh, we have a GoFundMe. Just uh, just search PCI Predator Catchers Indianapolis on the GoFundMe. We also have the Cash App. What's the Cash App? PCI Predator Catcher. You hear that? That's PCM Predator Catcher on Cash App. Yep. All right, everyone will be able to find all of this information in the summary of this episode as well. All right, well, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a very interesting episode. It's been a very interesting interview having several different members of Predator Catchers Indianapolis, Predator Catchers Muncie, and Predator Catchers Anderson all on the phone at the same time while we covered this very controversial subject at times. It's definitely not a pleasant topic, but it's definitely something that we must talk about. And let me just say for the record, I don't know a better way to deal with this right now. If there was a better way to deal with this, I'm sure we would all be embracing that. But right now, this is what we have. You know, the police are doing the best that they can do. These individuals are out there. They're not breaking the law. They're trying their very best. Are there ways they could deal with things a little bit better? Sure, but that's the situation with everything. So, you know, I have to say, until we come up with something better... I support the work that these individuals are doing. Now, that doesn't say that I give my seal of approval for every group of individuals doing this because there certainly are those groups out there that are doing this in a 
completely different way that I do not approve of. But as far as Predator Catchers, Indianapolis Muncie, and Anderson are concerned, they have my support, the support of the podcast, and I would love to have Eric and crew back on anytime. Guys and gals, if there's ever anything that you want to get out to the listeners, you're more than welcome on the show. I hope we have a chance to sit down and talk again in the future, and hopefully you guys will be able to talk about how your relationship with law enforcement and prosecutors across Indiana has uh, blossomed and improved and how many uh, prosecutions that you guys have under your belt. And just for the record, I want to say we'll talk about this off air, but I would certainly be willing to sit down as a go-between or someone who might be able to open the door between the prosecutors of various counties and your group just because I am familiar with a good number of various elected prosecutors in East Central Indiana. But we can talk about that off air. All right, Eric and crew, thank you for stopping by and giving myself and the audience a little bit of your time, having an open dialogue with me, answering some questions. I think it's going to go a long way to helping people who have concerns maybe be a little bit more relaxed and understanding about what's going on. I appreciate all of the honesty that you guys gave here tonight. And I also want to say how sorry I am that we were not able to do this with Amber. I hate that she was not able to be a part of this. Hopefully in the future we can sit down with Amber and at least Eric or maybe Eric and another person or two and answer any questions that she may have. I apologize to the Predator Catchers and to the audience that we were not able to have her part of this interview, as well as I apologize to Amber for not being able to get this in a time where she was able to be a part of this, but we will make sure to make that right in the future. And for the listeners, she will be back for episode 147. If any listeners are interested in catching up with any of the Predator Catcher crews, you can find them on Facebook at PCI... PCM or PCA on Facebook. That's Predator Catchers Indianapolis, Predator Catchers Muncie, and or Predator Catchers Anderson. Be sure to check them out. Understand it's a little dicey because it deals with sexual content, so it's probably not suitable for children or work, but it is definitely something that I feel strongly that you should check out because it is very important. Okay, Eric and crew, you guys were fantastic. Thank you for stopping by, and you are all welcome here anytime. Thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to the end. Thank you very much for tuning in and giving me a little bit of your time. As always, remember to share the show with everyone you know. Remind folks we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. They can search for us on those hosting sites by name. Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. But the easiest way to find us is to simply go to Google and enter in Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y podcast will pull right up also check me out on facebook at facebook.com forward slash bilberry 318 there i release live video episodes that you're able to watch in live real time or once they've aired if you watch them live you're able to interact with me as well as i have a lot of other written content 
and links and information that you won't want to miss so you can catch me there as well as you can call the studio line of 765-546-9796 or get me on email at khbilbury at gmail.com you can find amber at Amber Green, that's G-R-E-E-N-E, green with an E at the end, or you can find her at beautycounter.com forward slash Amber Green, also with an E at the end. Until next time, remember to get educated and get active. Take care of yourselves, be safe, God bless, and we'll look forward to talking to you all again real soon. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.